And we welcome you on in to another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell along with Mitchell Bala here to give you the latest in high school, collegiate, and uh, nationwide athletics. So I'm happy to be back here, Mitch, uh, recording this episode. I came in with my official Big Time Sports gear. This is actually one of my favorite of the things that uh, Old Melotone's Charlie Jones has so graciously offered me uh, for this work. And then you look like you... Uh, came directly from the horseshoe after last night's contest between Ohio State and Notre Dame. So uh, we'll get to that definitely in a little bit. But Mitch, we had a lot of games uh, this past week in uh, in high school football, excuse me. And uh, a lot of week three matchups that were interesting, including two of them uh, that we covered here on Big Time Sports. I want to get into your game to start off on this one. Yeah, Mitch. And not only did we have great games on big time sports, we had great games in Stark County, Tusk County, all around the state and news that we're, I can't wait to jump into later in this show, but we'll start with the Stark County game that big time sports was at. You had Joe Dunn, Dave Sheets on the call, uh, myself and Gianni Capuano on the sideline and the central Catholic crusaders welcomed in South range. Now South range for those unaware had come into the matchup winning 23 consecutive regular season games. They are a division five powerhouse. However, you might tell yourself right now they've won 23 straight. Well, how many state championships have they won? None because every year they kept running into Kirtland who, as anybody in the state of Ohio knows, Kirtland itself is a powerhouse. I believe they had won over five. It might be closer to seven before last season ending in a loss in the state championship game, but had won, you know, numerous state championships consecutively. And, you hear it every year. This might be our year, but for South range, as much as they want to get revenge on Kirtland, this could be their year as Kirtland's now division six, but Mitch central came into the matchup one and one. You heard a lot of talk about their quarterback, Jack Talkington, who is a tremendous football player. He is their Mike linebacker as well as their starting quarterback. Numerous college looks at the division one, all the way to division three level central came out and South range punched them first. And it looked like central kind of wasn't ready for it, but down 14 nothing. Central really put together a nice drive that saw Talkington roll out to his right, throw a, a ball across his body down the right sideline that uh, Jack Hopkins, who was the cryo player of the game, caught, drug his toes, and it looked like Central was moving. Uh, they got down inside the five-yard line, and then a penalty forced them back five yards. They line up for a field goal on fourth and goal from the nine, and then that's where the game ultimately changed, Mitch. South range got through the line on a high snap to the holder, blocked the field goal and returned it for a touchdown in a blink of an eye. It was 21, nothing South range central did respond to score a touchdown before half, but unfortunately the way South range played off played offensively, it was just too much for central's defense to stop central falls to one and two South range is now three and zero. they have now won 24 consecutive regular season games dating back to, I believe 2019 and Mitch from what I saw from South range, that might be a team that, runs the table again yet this regular season because they weren't just disciplined and, and good football players. They were bigger, faster, stronger, and Central was in there. They, they had their opportunities, but South Range just had too many weapons and too many guys, and I think it's going to be a great – it was a great test for Central. I think they'll ultimately back bounce back. I think they're a very talented football team led by head coach Jeff Linden-Smith, who's done a tremendous job, but you were able to tell that South Range is on a mission, and I don't think they're going to be denied this year. 
I like what I saw from South Range last season. I mentioned uh, they played Garraway in the state playoffs during their run, and it was an impressive one there by the Raiders. And uh, like you said, it's Canton Central falling to one and two. A lot of great stuff from you. Obviously, you can uh, take a look at some articles uh, on BigTimeSportsOhio.com regarding uh, these games. You can also watch the replays of them on your local access station, whether you're north and in the south, north area or the south area for Big Time Sports on your local listings. So the game that I was at, uh, was at Crater Stadium on Friday night. It was between Dover and Indian Valley. Like we've been, it's been kind of hyped up. The first matchup in 15 years uh, between these two schools. They used to be members of the ECOL. Now uh, Dover's independent, and obviously Indian Valley is in the IVC. So they were supposed to play this last year. COVID wiped it out. So they get to this year. And I will say, even though it was a 20 to 6 Crimson Tornado victory, this might have been closer actually than some scores would initially let you on because for the first half especially indian valley did not let dover run off a lot of major plays uh it was a, a very competitive matchup uh, in between the end zones between the two schools i think the biggest factor in that game obviously besides the uh performance of the big time sports player of the game mitchell martin with his two rushing touchdowns late in the contest indian valley did have some struggles offensively once they got into the red zone. Now, there were a lot of great performances from the two running backs, uh, Gavin Henry and Grady Kinzu, who have been able to put up some good yardage this year. Only combined for 63 rushing yards last night, while Sam Carter threw for 10 of 16 passing, 69 rushing yards. Um, but there were multiple attempts uh, once Indian Valley got into the red zone to try and get touchdowns, especially in the latter part of the game, I would say, that they weren't able to fully get that score and i remember the, even the opening drive for indian valley they marched their way down the field and you think oh okay indian valley can strike first uh there was a, one rolling out pass play by carter that uh he missed an open man in the end zone and ended up throwing to somebody else and then indian valley got a field goal which you do take the lead but then dover eventually takes a seven to three lead on that and then uh they go into halftime under the same score and then indian valley had an opportunity to get down into the one yard line of the tornadoes and dover's defense stopping them on fourth down so a key turnover on downs there's only one turnover in the game i believe between the two schools on a late fumble which was one of indian valley's last few drives and uh, once again, you got to give credit to not only Martin, who, again, was the big-time sports player of the game, but also Ben Ham, who was 11 of 12 passing for Dover. Didn't have a lot of huge throws, although he did have a nice uh, over-the-shoulder touchdown pass to Tyler Stevenson uh, that gave Dover its first lead. Uh, Stevenson, by the way, had 107 receiving yards. But uh, Dover played... Uh, they, they played pretty balanced throughout the most of Friday night. They did have a lot of penalties, though, uh, especially late in the game that at some points kind of kept Indian Valley uh, from completely getting thrown off the field. And I'm very intrigued to see what Dover does now this coming week because they're 3-0. and And this was one of their – this was probably their second closest matchup. The first week one, obviously, when they had to come from behind, that was close. Um, but now you have uh, Taylor Alderdice next Friday. So that is uh, uh, kind of a, a look back at some of the games that we had on Big Time Sports this week. Mitch, you did have one matchup, I believe, while we were talking during the break. And I'll probably get to uh, New Philadelphia's game here in a second. But what was this matchup between Green or involved Green High School the other night that went like really long? Kind of inform me and the rest of the viewers about that. Listen, Mitch, from numerous people I talked to that had no rooted interest, you know, for Green or Talmadge, they may have went because they have a connection there. Um, I know that probably sounds like I'm contradicting myself as I say that out loud, but 
I also heard that down south, some of those games went very quick. So if you're a fan that likes to watch any sports event that goes quickly, uh, this wasn't the game for you. Green and Talmadge played a contest that I believe lasted over four hours as it was a back and forth affair that saw Talmadge defeat Green at Green High School by a score of 47 to 46. In wow. Overtime, where Talmadge went for two in overtime and got it on a two yard run um, from the quarterback, Ty Hurst. And I heard that Talmadge is a team that likes to pound the ball. They like to run the ball a lot. Uh, Green likes to play the spread offense and they throw a lot. And a lot of the just big plays all over is what I heard. Just firework after firework from both sides, big runs, big passes and receiver, you know, receivers getting open, making big time plays. But if you like clean football, I also heard this wasn't the game for you either, as there was penalties by both teams, almost every drive. So some people I've talked to and, and just based off whether you're reading local paper or, you know, sites around uh, Northeast Ohio, they've actually said this is one of the top three high school football games that some of these people have ever seen as it was just back and forth. And Mitch going back just to what I believe was our third or fourth episode. When we did our high school preview. There was a lot of question marks around green a lot because they lost so much from last year. And now here the Bulldogs are two and one heading into federal league play with their one loss being a one point loss at home in overtime to now an undefeated Talmadge team. So it looks like green has grown up very fast and it looks like a lot of the younger kids that got to experience that deep playoff run that went to the final four last year have stepped into those big shoes and, and through three games, they've shown that they're ready to play. And it's just, it's exciting to see you love close high school football games. You just love high school football in general. And there was other games around Stark County, but Mitch, no other game around Stark County could outdo Talmadge and green Friday night. Absolutely. I mean, Ty Hurst, I just read the thing right here, 250 passing yards and two scores, got the game-winning two-point conversion uh, for Talmadge, so that's a big win for them. Tough loss for Green. I was going to say, and, ju and just in case people wonder, like, you know, you know, how much was there to go? When you look at papers and they recap games and, you know, you see, you know, recaps this big for every team, I just want everyone to know that the Green and Talmadge uh, recap took up the bottom left portion for a paragraph of the Canton repository and then took up an entire column of its own down the middle of the page. There was so much to recap in that game. So if you weren't able to be there or you haven't talked to somebody, I would highly suggest hopping on and maybe re reading this recap because there's so much to take in so much that I can't even break it down for you, Mitch. That's insane. I mean, it makes, I mean, I was going to get to uh, New Philadelphia even uh, going over to Worcester and uh, unfortunately the Quakers falling to one and two with a 21 to nothing uh, loss to Worcester and that's that's going to be a tough one because right now New Philadelphia one and two on the season which is very interesting and we'll see where they go here in the next coming weeks but uh, I want to get back to uh this show in a couple of uh, after a few quick messages because we do have a special guest here on the big time sports podcast show you uh will actually be going right to it right after this when others treat your fries as an afterthought all you're left with are cold soggy fries that's why wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget guaranteed to be hot and crispy or we'll replace them we're talking natural cut skin on fries perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt in fact they're even preferred almost two to one over mcdonald's these are fries so hot and crispy they beg a new question what would you like with your fries try them today only at wendy's at participating u.s wendy's taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company 
Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing, quality from start to finish. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostrand Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Ballet here to give you the latest in sports. So we go over now from the uh, scores recap from this past week, week three of the high school football season. Uh, we were able to have a sit down with another one of the head uh, local head coaches here in the area. I believe this is our first go at a Stark County coach, and it is Perry High School coach Zach Slate. The Panthers coming off a 42-21 to victory over Euclid High School to go to 2-1 and on the year. Mitch and I were able to sit down with him uh, earlier this week. And we are now here with the head coach of the Perry Panthers, Mr. Zach Slates. Coach, thank you so much for taking the time to join us coming off of your recent week three matchup. I mean, we were kind of going through some of the high school games throughout the week. I mean, kind of take us through what you guys went through in the matchup and what you guys were able to do to pull out the victory. I mean, they're rebuilding a little bit. They've gone through three coaches in three years, so, um, but they got some good players and, they're trying to get it turned around. They're they're much improved from last year because we scrimmaged them last year um, in the preseason. And then uh, going up there, we, we knew they were good. They, they had some players, and um, you have to stop the big plays when you're playing a team like that, and we gave up a couple of them. And uh, that's something we, we've been working to improve on all year. Um, we've given up a couple big plays in each game, and, and we got we got to shore up our defense that way and then and, – tackle and get people on the ground. Now, coach, you mentioned, you know, limiting the big plays. Talk about it. You hear this all the time, whether you're watching high school, college, professional football, about halftime adjustments. What half of time adjustments did you guys make as you went into the locker room trailing and then you then open up the second half scoring on three consecutive drives? I mean, <laughs> it's funny because we tell the kids, like, we're not a big uh, X and O's, halftime adjustments, do this, do that. We just – basically we got to play tougher a lot of times just just be more physically physically active and 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 that's our game is is we're tougher than we got to play like we're tougher than people uh to give ourselves a chance um because we're not typically as athletic or as big or any of that as, as the people we play against and and going through the federal league i mean we we find ourselves on the the short end of that week in and week out and it's been like that since the beginning um but we pride ourselves on being 
tougher than the people we play against. And, uh, and that, that's, that's what we got to get to. Well, Coach, obviously one of the big standouts in that game was DeAndre Church, and he's been one of the top offensive performers so far this season. What is it about his game that really adds to Perry's uh, offensive output against opposing defenses? Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's, he's a physically uh, mature young man. I mean, he, he's, he's strong and he's big and, and uh, he pours the ball and, and he does not like getting caught when he gets into open field. So um, he prides himself on not, not letting that happen. And uh, a couple of our other running backs that have gotten caught, he makes sure to let them know that he does not get caught when he's in open field. So, um, no, he, he, he's a competitor, and uh, he really wants to work hard. And, and he's one of those quiet leaders and does his job and, and comes, to, comes to fight every day. Perry Panthers head football coach, Coach Slates, is our guest. Coach, now you guys are moving in, in into what I've kind of said, and I know other coaches in the area talk about it really the second part of your season because every right every week you want to win every game but once federal league play starts that is you know the first goal for most teams is win the league but before we get into the game you guys have this week i just a question i want to ask is what is it like now having a full year under your belt as the head coach at the helmet perry and you know have you done anything different preparing to enter federal league play now here being your second year i mean i haven't i mean i i just think uh personally it's just it's come a lot smoother this year than it was last and uh, um, being settled in and, and not having a lot of those questions of your first time doing this, your first federal league game that you coach and, and just first game that you call it on offense or, and for our, our, my other coaches, they had a lot of firsts as well, because when Wake was here, he did a lot of everything <laughs> and uh, he didn't, he didn't like delegating duties to anybody. And that's, I mean, as a head coach, you understand that because you want it to be on your shoulders if, something screws up or if you, if you make a bad call, it's going to be your, your head, not, not somebody else's. So um, just, just having that confidence and being uh, um, having, having a year under my belt and the year I went through last year, I mean, <laughs> I don't think anybody else is going to do that again. So um, yeah, just, just settled in. Yeah, Coach, you mentioned being settled into your job now. And, I mean, obviously you have a, lot, uh, a number of people working on your staff that have been able to contribute to Perry, uh, not just this year but the last. Are there any particular names that you feel that the fans, not just the fans, but the people around the area should know that can that are able to contribute a lot to what you guys have been able to pull off so far this season? Yeah, I mean, I, we got a great staff, and, and a lot of the guys have been here since for years. And, and that was – typically that's something that it hadn't happened in the past with Wakefield's uh, staffs is there was a lot of turn turnover and uh, we were fortunate enough to have a good group of guys that, that have stuck together um, for the last six years or so. And, and uh, I mean, Ethan Keggy's my defensive coordinator and uh, Tim Wolf. I mean, he helps out on both sides. He helps me on offense. He helps Ethan on defense and, and he sort of, he helps with our youth. He does a great job with that. Um, so he he's, does a little bit of everything. And uh, I mean, he's got some really good coaches, Tyler Ward and Derek Carmichael and the France brothers, Josh Nettleton, Dan McCormick. They're all they're all great guys who really bought into the program and and uh, are here for the right reasons and, and improving kids and giving them the best chance we got. Now, coach, heading into week four, you guys will open up federal league play on the road at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium against the Camp McKinley Bulldogs, which that game will be broadcasted on big time sports come Friday night. What is what does the week look like, and are you putting any extra emphasis as you do open up federal league play and you take your team on the road 
into what some people might think is a very hostile environment, but knowing that McKinley hasn't got off to the start they'd like, and they'll be very hungry as well. Yeah, I mean, we, we always do like a, a championship drill once we get into federal league play uh, on Wednesday nights. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a l- little bit longer weekends and you know more about the team. So there's more preparation, there's more game planning. Uh, when you don't know know about somebody, there's there's a whole lot of, of question marks when, when you're going up against them. Um, McKinley somebody we've played against in the past. So we have a, a history with each other and, and know each other a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I mean, going into Benson, we play there, excuse me, week two. It's a great facility, a uh, great environment. But like I, like I told the a couple of reporters that week is it's still a football field and it doesn't matter what's outside of those lines. It's just who's on the field at the time. Perry, head coach uh, for the, or its football team, Zach Slates, is here with us. Now, Coach, uh, we mentioned Benson, uh, Tom Benson. You guys actually had a matchup there uh, last week uh, with Clarkson North from a team that actually crossed the Canadian border over into Ohio, and uh, that was a 26-21 final that you guys, unfortunately, were on the short end of. What were some of the, uh, the key factors in the game that Clarkson North had that uh, you guys just weren't able to, unfortunately, overcome? Yeah, I mean, that, that, and from the beginning when, when we scheduled them, I, I knew they were a good team. They beat Ignatius in 2019. I mean, they played Mentor and Eds and Ignatius every year. They played IMG last year. Um, they're going to play DeMatha. I mean, they, they, they play a huge schedule. And uh, and their guys, I mean, they got good players. And, and, and it was a question mark for us because uh, with a school like that, they recruit from all over the world. So they, get, they have kids from all over the place. And – uh, in previous the past two years is because of COVID, they weren't able to get kids into the country. So I knew there was going to be some question marks on their roster as to who was going to be on the team. And, uh, and obviously they were able to get some guys in this year. And I mean, their offensive line averaged about 300 pounds across the board and their defensive line was 280. I mean, they were big boys. I mean, they, they got a DN going to Virginia Tech. So it's not like, I mean, we played, we played some Canadian teams in 2017 and they're not, it's not the same team. I mean, they're like the IMG of Canada, essentially. So, um, I mean, they, they, they have some good players and they, they, they coach, they're coached well. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, we just, they came out in the second half and they, they did what we wanted to do. They kept the ball and they used the play clock and, and they milked it and, and kept the ball out of our hands. Well, Coach, finally, you guys currently standing at 2-1 and one going into your next game. And throughout this rest of the year, I mean, you've actually now matched your uh, win total from the previous season, uh, now in your second run with the Panthers. And when you saw the results from last season and you saw many of the guys be able to come back and build upon what you uh, were able to accomplish in, in year one, where do you want this team to end up in your I mean, obviously when I say that you you want it, you want them to end up in the playoffs, you want to end up with a, with a winning record. But what is the biggest the biggest thing you want your kids to gain from this year, especially those that have the opportunity to come back uh, uh, for their potentially junior or senior years? I mean, we we preach the same thing every week, and it's just building leadership and the the team aspect and this team has done a really good job of, of buying into that and, and, and being a team and, and understanding the brother part of it and, uh, and busting their butts for the guys next to them, not just because uh, it's for themselves. Um, and we got some really good leaders on this team. So I, I've been really pleased with these guys. Um, they're a good group to be around uh, and they work hard. So, yeah. 
Well, coach, we really appreciate the, you taking the time uh, today to join us and obviously best of luck to you and your team the rest of the year. Thank you. Thank you, coach. And a great discussion there uh, with Coach Slates and uh, obviously best of luck to him and his team the rest of the year. So when we come back, we'll be going over to the college football side. We want to recap uh, the events of the team that Mitch is decked out for Ohio State and their op- season opener against Notre Dame at the Horseshoe. We'll be right back right after this. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216-hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world, get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. And we welcome you back here to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Balla here to give you the latest in athletics. We go over now from high school football to college football. It was the first true Saturday of the season last night. And uh, Mitch and I were able to soak in many, many games before the primetime matchup between the Ohio State Buckeyes, number two in the country, against the fifth-ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish, a game in which Ohio State won 21-10. So a nice win for Ohio State to open up the season. Here's the thing, Mitch. That that game was, I mentioned it before. I didn't give Notre Dame the point, or I give Ohio State the seventeen and a half points that they initially got because I didn't think that Notre Dame was as overrated as I think some people were thinking heading into the matchup. And obviously, Notre Dame proved it in, in the, the first half, especially up ten to seven at the break last night. A lot of the problems that. Ohio State seemed to have juxtaposed to their strengths from last season seemed like they were in reverse where the defense seemed for the most part, like they really had things more under control than they had in the past. But the offense at times was having its struggles. And this is an offense that some thought would be so good that it probably puts them as the, as one of the top three favorites for the national championship, but along with Georgia and Alabama. 
Well, Mitch, first off, it's hard to replace two first-round talents in Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, when you think you have a replacement that's potentially better than both, it's hard to replace him once he goes out in the first quarter of the game. Yep. Um, ultimately, only gets two catches for three yards in Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. But, Mitch, you were right. Check the tapes. I said I would take the points, but I did change yesterday. Um, a couple of buddies and I were out in the course and we were, we were, you know, playing 18. And I just said, you know what? I don't think I would take Ohio state plus the points and no rhyme or reason that I didn't get any Intel while I was out golfing yesterday, but just something sat with me. And, you know, all the time that everyone's talking about how good a team is, especially prime time, the other team usually comes out and, and, you know, has a statement to make and, and Notre Dame did Mitch. They, they completely outplayed Ohio state in that first half, but the difference I think in the second half was Ohio state calmed down. They realized what they needed to do and they played the game that they needed to play to win the game. Right. A lot of people think Ohio state's going to be this phenomenal passing attack that we saw last year. And really the thing that got the Buckeyes going in the second half was running. But to your point last year, we had no worries about the offense and everything was about the defense, Mitch, I can't say enough great things about what I saw defensively from the Buckeyes last night. And Jim Knowles first game as defensive coordinator here. Remember, he left Oklahoma State last year or at the end of last season to come to Ohio State and be the defensive coordinator. And the pressure has been on since that hire was announced, right? Because for you to have a top defense like he did at Oklahoma State leave to come to Ohio State where we really haven't had a, a dominant defense in years. Some people might say since Jim Trussell was the head coach here, it was awesome to see the linebackers were flying around the field. You had guys, the, your front seven for Ohio State last night was phenomenal. You were disguising coverages, and for Notre Dame, starting a quarterback that had never started a game before on the road in the horseshoe at night, that's a very tough environment, and Jim Knowles made sure he remembered it was going to be tough because the Buckeye defense was phenomenal last night. I I can't wait to hear what you thought of it. Well, yeah, I was going to say, first of all, Trestle and many of the 2002 National Championship team there last night. A lot of famous figures there last night. Obviously, LeBron James. Over 39. Over Over 39 celebrities or athletes were there. Uh, and I don't believe that would include the 2002 national championship. Teams. Right, right. Sure the team's bigger what, than that. But what was Jason Tatum there doing? And not to say that Jason no. Tatum can't be an Ohio State fan, and I and I welcome anybody who wants to don the scarlet and gray. But it's just the Duke guy, the Celtics player, wearing a Ted Ginn autographed jersey. It, it's interesting. Yep. I just so, I, I didn't compute it the first time. What I was told allegedly, I cannot confirm if this is true or not. He was at the game with Ohio State uh, former Ohio State basketball player Evan Turner. So that right, would be, right. You no, know, it's rumored Evan Turner was there last night. There, there's people that don't think every celebrity got, you know, accounted for because no. there was money last night. I mean, name whatever sport, name whatever, you know, former Ohio State great was there. Everybody was there last night, and it was awesome. I don't even think Joe Burrow got mentioned because I saw I Justin know. Fields, I saw Chris Olave. Uh, I think was Garrett Wilson there. No, somebody uh, else was there, but it was um, um, Jeff Okuda was there. The Okuda, Okuda, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a couple years but, ago. But yeah, I don't remember. I mean, I thought Burrow would. I mean, I, I know he was, but I thought they would show him at least. Maybe he just wasn't uh, camera ready. But going back to the game, the running game did really come to play that night. Trevion Henderson, I liked it when we signed him early. Uh, I've liked him since then. 91 rushing yards. Uh, and also, shout out to another running back performance in uh, Mayan Williams, who had a, a pretty breakout night. 84 yards and the only rushing touchdown. Uh, Mike Buka. Had one of the uh, uh, scoring catches. Also had a really good catch on third down that's uh, extended one of the Ohio State drives right over uh, 
coming from the left to right, and then he went down the sideline. And that was another uh, big third down catch from Xavier Johnson. If you don't make that touchdown on third down, I don't know where the game would have gone at that point. Then I would have right. really started to panic because I stopped panicking once. I, I wouldn't say I fully stopped panicking. I, 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 I was calmed down once Ohio State got the lead, and when they got the next touchdown, obviously I was like, okay, we're good. And, and that, especially when the defense really started getting to uh, Notre Dame's offensive front. And give credit, by the way, to Tyler Bookner, his first career game. You're playing in a sea of 104,000 red shirt, red shirted people. He started out very, very well. It was 10 of 18, 177 yards. I believe, what was it? Was it uh, uh, 10 of 11 at one point? It was It was a really huge number on his yeah. first drive. He, I know this first drive, I believe he's or at one point on that first drive, he had completed his first seven passes. Se- seven for seven. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, there was this, uh, the one receiver who was giving me uh, problems all night, the one tight end that kept – we kept putting a corner on him, I think almost by default, but he kept making these catches and breaking through for big gains. I think and he had that fumble that we should have picked up either way. Michael Mayer. Uh, Michael Mayer, thank you. And But doesn't matter. Ohio State got the victory. They'll get their tune-up game this coming week against Arkansas State, presumably. Um, I'm very curious as to how this is juxtaposed to the rest of the top schools in college football, because numbers one and three, Alabama and Georgia had, well, here's the thing. They had blowouts. Georgia had the better blowout 49 to three over number 11, Oregon compared to Utah state 55, nothing for Bama. That game I, I was talking to somebody at the station today. That game honestly might be enough for me to put Georgia at number one in the next poll because that feels like th- that would make sense. If, if it's a it's a more it's a more improved opponent, Oregon compared to a Utah State, even though Alabama did what they had to do, Georgia kind of feels like even with that great defense last year, if the offense is rolling too, even I don't think Bama can stop them. No, Mitch, you're right. And I literally said the same thing last night, but I also had to remember Ohio state won ugly. And yes. And so did Ryan day said that they won in a way. We're not accustomed to seeing a Ryan day team win a football game. And that's big. He said that in his press conference mm-hmm. last night, and that's huge. And it's a top five matchup, whether look, I sat here and told you, I don't think Notre Dame is the fifth best team in the country, whether you think they are or not, it doesn't matter. Ohio state still went out and won a football game, Georgia. They went out and handled business. However, and this is probably going to lead to another conversation in this same segment, but Mitch, I hate preseason rankings because you really don't know. Right. And for everyone that wants to give Ohio state crap saying, Oh, they only won by 11 over the number five team in the country. Well, no. um, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Georgia play Clemson a couple of years ago and only won 10 to three in one of the most boring games I've ever watched. Like people, your goal, if you, I give kudos to anybody that plays tough opponents in week one, because it, it's just so hard because you were, it's so much harder to gauge where your team is at because you don't have preseason games like the NFL. You are going against your same guys day in and day out of practice. And then you play a top ranked team or a big name team that still gets tons of talent like an Oregon, like Notre Dame, or even Florida playing Utah yesterday. And it's, it's a great test and I'm happy Ohio state won, but Mitch, I think Oregon was exposed yesterday because not only do they have a brand new head coach, they also have a quarterback that has never lived up to the hype surrounding him his entire career when he was in Auburn and Bo Nix. And yeah. yesterday he was, he was just, I'll, I'll say how, how well I thought he was. He was dreadful. He looked like the Bo Nix at Auburn. That was the reason Auburn could never do a whole lot. But the last thing I'll say on that game, 
is stop saying it's a neutral site game. That is oh. the big load of crap I've ever seen in my life. You played 20 minutes from the campus of Georgia in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. That's not a neutral site game. A neutral site game is when Alabama goes and plays UCLA in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. Okay? That's like saying Ohio State played a neutral site game by playing at First Energy Stadium two hours away. Like, enough of that crap, okay? That was a home game, and if you looked in the crowd, it was a home game. It was red all the way around at every single level, and I'm just so sick and tired of them. Well, neutral site game means a little. Like, no, it wasn't. You were 20 minutes from the University of Georgia, okay? Go play Go play in Nebraska. I'm sure they're ready to watch some good football. You stole my, you stole my thunder with uh, the example because I was going to say I, I was going to be the college football committee. We are playing – we are placing Ohio State – against Notre Dame on a neutral site matchup in 2027. Where's the game located? Nationwide arena. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, yeah, it's that's, it, that it's doesn't crazy. count. No, but uh, yeah, Alabama got to win. Georgia got to win. You mentioned Florida getting the huge upset over Utah. And um, cause I, I'm really focusing on that now. Cause we didn't get to talk about earlier in the day with Oregon and Utah, both losing. How how bad are the the uh, Pac 12s chances? Dan- and again, Pac 12 is not a str- the strongest uh, of the Power Five schools. Might even be the weakest at this point. But how bad are the damp are the chances of the Pac 12 being represented in the playoff this year? Damage because the only school I can remember of winning of note was USC kicking off the Lincoln Riley era with a 66-14 win over Rice. And that game was close too. Match at the end of the first quarter it was seven to seven. Um, and, and let, let's just talk about the PAC 12 as a whole, Mitch, because I'm, I'm right there with you. I'll, I'll stand on this Hill with you. I think they are the weakest conference in college football. And unfortunately you, you hate to see that because I think college football is the best when every conference has a, you know, a big time powerhouse. And I think that's ultimately why we're you know going to go to mega conferences, but outside of Georgia, just get pummeling Oregon and then Utah going on the, on the road to Florida. And like we said, that's only the second time they've ever played in the regular season. I give Utah big props for that because going to the swamp at night week one, that's a tough place to play. And I still think Utah will be good and might have a chance because as you know, if you're going to lose, lose early, right? Be able to show the committee. You can rebound. I mean, Ohio state did it when they won the national championship back in 14, 15, when they lost to Virginia tech early. So it's good for them. But Mitch, just look at the other PAC 12 scores. UCLA was in a dogfight in the first half with Bowling green. There's, I mean, just the Pac-12 is down, and now you start to wonder, is that why USC and UCLA jumped ship and decided to join the Big Ten? Is that why Washington and Oregon are considering, you know, the move to the Big Ten? I mean, I think USC obviously stalls a fighting chance because of the brand, and Lincoln Riley did get his quarterback to come with him and Caleb Williams over there that a lot of people don't talk about because they're out in the West, but he could be a dark horse Heisman candidate. But I think USC has a chance. I still I wouldn't count out Utah. I think you saw Utah last year hang with Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, which I think that shows you a lot. They return a lot of players, and they went and they lost a road game in the swamp. And Mitch, I don't know how much deeper we want to get in other teams, but you want to talk about one guy I was impressed with after week one. That Florida quarterback was magnificent. Uh, Richardson, 6'4", yeah. 220-plus pounds. Not only can he run, but, I mean, he just – he looked like a great quarterback yesterday in Florida's 29-26 win over Utah. How about the pump fake he had while backpedaling from two defenders, and then he's able to to sell the fake, spin out of that, and find a wide-open guy in the end zone. That was really good. As for the Pac-12, USC wins out. They get they almost certainly get an automatic spot because if Utah has the one loss and they're not getting in. Uh, but if you – 
But if UCLA gets the one loss, I don't think they're represented either because it's such a weak, weaker conference. Um, really quick before we go to break, I want to touch on the um, the topic of obviously the big news that came back from this week. The college football playoff will be expanding by 2026. Uh, it's going to be 12 teams uh, compared to the four. And you liked a tweet from Joey, at Julie Molinaro. Um, love the timing of the 12-team playoff announcement followed by the number 11 ranked team, Oregon, getting their brains beat in by the number three team, Georgia, at a neutral site. Now, I, I, I understand your thinking behind this, Bala. I have to disagree with you personally because the big um, top, the big reasoning for the expansion, at least according to, to people who wanted the expansion, is that it would honestly allow for more parity with a lot of these different schools because a lot the same four or five schools have been abusing recruiting so much because – not abusing recruiting, but they've been able to get so many of the great players that they've eventually – become these these juggernauts that other schools can't compete with i feel like an expanded playoff can allow different types of schools whether they are you know the, the fourth best team in a, in a power five or a mid-major to you know do something crazy and end up building their programs more naturally like you could have a mid-major become this juggernaut uh like we got to see in the bcs era schools like boise state and the and the, and the likes because you can have that opportunity and and I take it. You're not the same way, I guess. Well, first off, I like the tweet because Joey Molinaro is a phenomenal follow on all social media. Yeah. And I did think it was funny because, you know, you heard all day, Oh, we have three top 25 matchups and, you know, Oregon and, and Georgia is mm, supposed to be a great game. Too. And I mean, I, I, I'm, not, no, I'm not saying you're wrong, but like we, we kind of had like two primetime ones because Arkansas beat Cincinnati. Right. Right. But that wasn't a game. I, Mitch, I literally had multiple TVs out yesterday with some friends watching. We, yeah. we turned that game off at halftime off the big screen and switched it to a smaller TV because it wasn't a game. But I, my whole issue is it's been four. And you've heard everybody, we want eight, right? Let's get eight teams in here. We think eight's the perfect number. You can do the five power five winners and then the three at-large bids, whoever the next best teams are. And I think for me, that sounds great. And the committee was no, no, no. And then one day we just randomly go to 12. Which it's odd, but Mitch, I think it goes deeper than just getting 12 teams in there because last time we heard about this going to a vote and it was declined at eight teams, to my knowledge, there was no such thing as a mega conference happening. And I think what really happened here is what's going to happen in 2026, right? Because we start to see these schools change conferences as yep. soon as season 2024. Uh, it just depends on what schools, what conference, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, to SEC, UCLA, USC to the Big Ten. And there's going to be more to follow. Let's be yep. honest. It's it's inevitable. But to my point, you've seen some teams and we've seen it during the BCS era where it was Alabama and LSU in that national championship because they were just the two best teams after they played each other. Take somebody into account like a Wisconsin. Right. This is all hypothetical, but if Wisconsin finishes a 12 game season, nine and three, and their three losses are close competitive games to teams in the Big Ten, which at that point could be Ohio State, USC, and we'll say Michigan. And all those teams are ranked inside the top six. Wouldn't you say Wisconsin having close competitive games, all single digit losses against top six teams would be deserving? Like they show they can hang with those guys. And like Oregon, I think yesterday was blown out of the water, but granted, they have 11 more games to try to right the ship. I just think that what they're setting up for is the fact that the best team might be, the fourth best team in a conference might be better than a team 
the best team in another conference, if that makes sense, right? We know the SEC and Big Ten are, become, are going to become mega conferences, but would an example like I just gave you a Wisconsin team with three losses be better than a Houston winning and going 11 and one in, you know, whatever conference they're going to choose? I mean, it's hard to say what conference teams will be in in three years. It's a decent point you make with the gray area coming in there because like a lot of these, especially power five schools can make that claim that they would beat the mid-major nine out of 10 times. And then you would just, it's easy to assume that. I think with certain campaigns in the last few years to get schools like UCF and Cincinnati close to or into the playoff there, I think the more board members are starting to take notice that, hey, if given the opportunity, these schools are at the top of their conferences for a reason and they could have the chance to compete. Now, granted, you needed those results in the past to in order to get them to change their mindsets. If UCF and Cincinnati had been blown out of the water in their bowl games or in, uh, I mean, I guess Cincinnati didn't, did kind of get boat raced in their playoff well, opportunity, but, but not, not, yeah, not, not in that sense, but um I don't know. It, it's it's to me. I think it's it's better for the sport because we go from be having the having the the championship game be so concentrated between the two best schools who are voted in. We now uh, take it from that to a four team playoff. So there's a little more parity, but then all these schools eventually become so powerful that when you get it to twelve teams now, you you're you're probably going to have five to 10 powerhouses at some point. And then you're going to, and then you're going to have, if anything, it's really going to be one or two potential uh, mid majors that go undefeated, have a great run. Everybody loves them. And it's not really, it's not even, it's not going to become like a matchup of like uh, uh, Cincinnati's and Pittsburgh's. And it's not going to be full of that. It might have some of them, but it's really going to be still mostly the power five schools, the conference winners, the runner ups, and then, probably a third place team that didn't get into its conference championship. If it needed, if it had one. And, and let me say this, there, there were tweets right away and listen, it's, it's everybody does it right. Everybody has a reaction right away. Everyone wants to have a take right away. And and for the people out there that's saying, Oh my gosh, college football's ruined. Rivalries mean nothing anymore. Yada, yada, yada. That's not true. It really isn't true though, because if you're the best team, you're going to still go out there and win every week. And for everyone that's worried about, Oh, but now if you lose, you know, this, that, whatever. I had an Ohio state fan that Mitch, they showed that if they would have implemented this in 2015, Ohio state is the only team that would have never missed the college football playoff. It was, if it was expanded to 12 teams, Alabama would have missed one time, which is crazy to me. It it's worked in division two and division three people. Okay. I went to a small division two college up in Cleveland, my football, the football team, when I was there, phenomenal. They had never made the postseason before and they made it. And you go, it's almost like a March madness style thing, Mitch. And I love it. And guess what? Sometimes the number one seeds in each region, they went down. The other times, the one year NDC made it to the final four, they played the number one seed from Georgia, Valdosta State, and Valdosta State won. The best teams that can remain focused and stay healthy, right? Health is always a a huge thing, are still going to win. But why not add the parity? Because like your point, Mitch, it's been the same four or five schools every year. Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson. Those four have been the teams that have made it the most. And then insert your Oklahoma insert, you know, whoever you want to put Michigan state, Washington. I mean, you have an anomaly every once in a while. It's I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I love it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I hate it because we're going to enter an unprecedented time 
in the history of college football that nobody's ever seen before. Nobody can act like they've seen before with these mega conferences. So why not change it up a bit? I just, my thing to the people out there saying college football is ruined now, it's not calm down. And even if you think it's ruined, you still have three to four more years of this four team playoff and how college football should be played. So if you want to stick with that, take enjoy college football for three to four more years. And then we'll see you back in like 2028 when you come back. Cause you think it's awesome. Well, we're going to take us a quick break. When we come back, we're going to switch over to basketball because there was a big move uh, and a big offseason move from the Cavaliers. And obviously, people know what it is by now, but we're going to get our thoughts aired out there. So we'll come back right after this. Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. matter everyone plays a part we all have a role each of us can make a difference you do matter and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward with each of us helping one another to cope feel better and know that we belong pass on the positivity today tell someone else they matter too all care all care all care where you matter It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world, get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. We're going over to basketball now because the big trade of the NBA offseason, in my opinion at least, especially around here, has been finalized by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Donovan Mitchell, and also a three-time All-Star with the Utah Jazz, is being acquired by the Cavaliers in exchange for a package that includes players Lori Markinen, Colin Sexton, and O'Shea Abaji, the team's recent first-round selection, along with three unprotected first-round picks in 2025, 27, and 29, and two pick swaps in 26 and 28. So, Mitch, I about fell out of my seat when I found out this report. Uh, I believe it was from Adrian Wojnarowski first on Thursday, and then, of course, the team finalized it on Friday. Absolutely. So... When I saw it happen, I, I never thought it'd be, it would be like, it was like the Deshaun Watson thing. You're like, ah, it's, it'll never happen. And then, and then all of a sudden it does. Seeing what Mitchell can bring to this team, especially for what the Cavaliers had to give up for this, I know there are some people that are saying, oh, Utah has gotten all these players and all these draft picks, and that's fine. It's really good to have as many draft picks because then you can use that to really build a lot of young talent up. 
That being said, it really felt like not as much as much as the Cavaliers getting Jared Allen in the mega deal between the Nets and Rockets, but it almost feels like something was stolen here because we saw what the, the potential talks was that Utah was working at a deal with the New York Knicks and it was it was almost a foregone conclusion. That's where uh, Mitchell was going to go. And then you see the Cavs make this trade. You, I assume they probably would have had to give up one of their core players to get him. No, you're giving up one of your post guys in marketing. You're giving away a rookie. That's one thing. He wasn't the huge lottery pick. And you give up a guard who has put up good numbers in the past, but sat out most of last season while the rest of the team gelled without him. So that is why I'm very comfortable with this sort of trade. I want to get your thoughts on it. I'm with you, Mitch. I'm with you 100%. I am more than comfortable with this trade. And to your point, it does feel like, it's hard because you wanted to say who won a trade, who lost a trade, you know, knee jerk reactions, but you're right. It almost feels like we stole something in this trade because Mitch, if this works out in our favor, those draft picks mean nothing, right? If you get to where you want to be and you're a top four seed in the Eastern conference, that pick means nothing, right? You're talking anywhere from 22 to 30 draft pick, which let, let a team have that for three out of the next five drafts. Cause remember the new rule in the NBA, you have to, you can't trade consecutive years. And that's what yeah. it was a 25, 27, 29 draft pick. The Cavs gave away, but plus Mitch, they liked Colin Sexton from what we could tell, right? The yeah. Cleveland Cavaliers liked Colin Sexton. They didn't love Colin Sexton enough to give him the money he wanted. And that was a huge reason. I think they made this trade because Sexton got his money. The jazz wanted Sexton. You make this trade into your point, Mitch, you keep your big three core and now you have four all-stars, right? Because Evan Mobley staying healthy will be an all-star. And you can listen to the big name, you know, analysts across all medias like Brian Windhorst, uh, Woj, Bill Simmons, and numerous guys. They think Evan Mobley is going to be the best player out of the four here in a couple of years. And, you know, some people like myself think Evan Mobley will be the best player on this team. And they're all under the age of 26. It's <laughs> phenomenal. Kobe Altman was in fifth grade the last time the Cleveland Cavaliers won a playoff series without a guy named LeBron James. On the roster, Kobe Altman turns 40 next month, and he is going all in. And Mitch, I almost fell out of my chair, just like I almost drove off the road, I think, when I found out the Browns had traded for Deshaun Watson, just like I couldn't believe what I read when I saw the Cleveland Guardians extend to Jose Ramirez. We just watched three things that we're not used to seeing here as a Cleveland sports fan happen in one calendar year, and it is amazing, and I love it. Yeah, we're not used to, we're not used to them either spending money or getting to spend money it's it's really something else and then obviously uh the you, you mentioned it the three other players that he gets to go with in Mobley Garland and Allen this is this is a top at least a top five team in the east now if yeah. not maybe top four or three because you still have to, to deal with Milwaukee they're always going to be there as long as Giannis is there um, Boston is the reigning champion. I could see them matching up with a, a Sixers team now. I can see them match. No, I, I, I no. Brooklyn coming back. I mean, I know they got their problems, but that's that, still Katie and Kyrie. I'll let you keep going, but that's the one thing I want to make sure we we touch on again because I'm interested to, see, to hear what teams you have in front of the Cavs. I was going to say I, I would say Milwaukee, Boston for now. Mm -hmm. um, I'd still probably put Philadelphia up there just because we don't know where the Cavs look like officially, but uh, eh, it's hard to go against Brooklyn. I'll say those four, but that's a good, that's a, that's a strong fifth seed. And I could, and the rest of the teams like Atlanta and uh, 
you know, the other ones that weren't able to, that, that, that rounded out the East playoffs last year, I could see them easily taking them on. And within three years, man, because Mitchell's, that's the rest that Mitchell's contract runs through. You got, you got a three year trial run, basically. And if he wants to sign, resign, even better. This, this could be a, an interesting three years. And, as, and again, my biggest thing was I initially didn't want the Cavs to try and break up this team in the pursuit of, of a superstar. That's why you get those idi- not idiots, but you get those certain people talking like, uh, you know, you know, maybe they'll get, you know, they'll go after LeBron or something like that. Maybe he'll want to come back. It's like, we don't need him at this point. We don't really need any of the superstars. Right now. It'd be nice to have, obviously, okay, but yeah. reality doesn't, uh, reality wouldn't dictate it like that. But I liked this team because they played so selflessly and it seemed like they there, there were no egos on the team really last year. And the biggest ego coming back from that offseason in Kevin Love loved basketball again. He loved playing with the Cavaliers again. And I I, I, I didn't want to fracture that. Now, granted, uh, Mitchell, I think, is a guy who is also still rel- relatively young for for all that he's accomplished in the, in the league. What is he now, 27? He turns 26, I believe. I don't know if it was next week or next month, I heard. So, I mean, all four of your guys are under the age of 26. That's insane. That, yeah, and there's and that's there's nothing there that has made the guys clash yet. Now, that could obviously change, you know, locker room politics and stuff like that. But I, I really like the fact that it seems like this team is not susceptible to any off-the-court the issues or – uh, major problems due to the effects of superstardom, the effects of, of success. They need to get the success, and they're very, very primed to do so. And this, uh, this honestly might be the strongest. This, this is going to be the strongest team I think that can compete for a championship in 2023. I'm not saying that they're the strongest team in the NBA. I'm saying out of the three Cleveland teams. The Browns, even with Watson, I'm still there's still some question marks there. Obviously, the Guardians are doing what they do, but the Cavaliers are very primed to make a deep playoff run here. I would I would honestly say the bare minimum right now, second round of the East playoffs. That's that's the basement ex- expectations for me. Absolutely, and I have so many takes I want to get out, but I won't. I'm not going to do that to our listeners because I don't want them to to you know. Although I think they love listening to us because they keep yeah. coming back. But I'm not trying to make the episode you know two hours long, but. To your point, and there's a lot of people that their biggest issue with Donovan Mitchell is he doesn't play defense, right? And the one thing we saw last year with this team under J.B. Bickerstaff was this team played defense, right? You had guys playing defense that Kevin Love was playing defense, and typically the best defense we've seen him ever play was game seven of the 2016 finals on Steph Curry on a switch at the top of that arc. Guys, Donovan Mitchell did not want to be in Utah, and maybe not be in Utah isn't the right term. He didn't want to be there anymore. Anymore, right? He loved, look, I, I believe his post, I think he loved it there, but that locker room was fractured going back to 2020 with him and Rudy Gobert. And you could tell there was issues there. They traded Gobert and then Mitchell, I think, probably looked around and goes, and keep in mind, there's guys that the Jazz got rid of, even somebody like Royce O'Neal, who I wanted the Cavs to get so bad because he fits a major need as a three and D perimeter player. Got traded to Brooklyn. And I'm sure Donovan Mitchell was kind of looking around going, well, what, what's this? I don't want to go through a rebuild. I'm, I'm entering my prime. I'm a three-time all-star. And he comes here. When you play with a bunch of guys you want to play with and you can buy into a culture of a team. I mean, look how excited he's been just in the few days this trade's been announced. They have, you have the report that says he found out he got traded on a golf course, found out Allen, Garland, Mobley, and Kevin Love weren't in the deal. And he went around screaming. 
he's going to play defense. And, and, and for the people out there saying, oh, two small guards won't work. Look what happened in Portland with CJ and Dame. CJ and Dame didn't have two seven-footers down low. They didn't. This is going to be a lineup now that's undersized at the guard spot, but oversized down low, and it's going to work itself out. So if guys get past them, guess what? They're running into Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Robin Lopez off the bench. Like I'm not worried about that, Mitch. To your point, though, I think they are a five seed in the East, and I think they could go higher. But to your point, Milwaukee has to be one because my my belief still is they would have won the Eastern Conference last year with a healthy Chris Middleton. Um, but even if not, they are the most recent team from the East to hoist a Larry O'Brien trophy. Boston won the East last year, so you have to prove it to me, right? You have to prove to me you're better than them and beat them. Um, the one team you didn't mention, which I'm kind of shocked on, and a lot of people don't agree with me here, is Miami. They were the one seed in the East last year. Yeah. And to me, it's you got to show me something, right? I know Jimmy Butler's getting up there. Kyle Lowry, I believe, is 38. Uh, Bam Adebayo, I don't think, can really match up with us well with having two big guys. Right. And the Cavs could get to four. But what is Brooklyn? What is Brooklyn? Because this is a team that didn't want to be together. And then they met and they talked and they decided to be together. They already had issues though, Mitch. So what is it going to take for that team to, for there to be a bigger fracture in there and not, not be what we've thought they were going to be the past two, three seasons, because it's only going to be a matter of time. You have two superstar players that are unhappy with the head coach who they approved of that have both said they want out. And then they smooth things over and they're there. Uh, I, I think we're at least the fifth best team because I don't trust Philly. I think Joel Embiid is a phenomenal player. I love Embiid. Jo- James Harden, great regular season player. He doesn't do anything in the playoffs. And ultimately, Mitch, it's not, in, in my opinion, it's not going to be hard to score anymore having the two guards in Mitchell and Garland than having two post presence down low to handle Embiid. And there were times last year when the Cavs were going through that injury swoon where they were hanging with Philly after they got hardened and they were close contested games. I'm not a believer in Philly. You're better than Atlanta. You're better than Toronto, Chicago. Those are the other teams that made the playoff last year and everybody else in the basement. To me, it's the three teams above us and then Brooklyn can be in four, but what is Brooklyn? All I know, this is a move that I can get behind. I'm super excited and I have never won a basketball season to be here so quickly. I'm going to put a poll in the uh, in this uh, on Spotify specifically or on Anchor through our distribution. Where do you see the Cavaliers uh, ranking in the Eastern Conference right now? Because I want to get your takes on it. Obviously, we'll put it up or you can vote on it on YouTube as well. Uh, uh, We'll put on there probably. So I want to get your guys take on that. And then we'll go into this final segment. Uh, which we'll get into some baseball because obviously right now the Cleveland Guardians are on a skid and we're going to see if they can stick it out throughout the rest of the final month of the season. We'll be right back after this. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut skin on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Trying them today, only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's, taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. 
If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Think Ferris. And welcome back here to the final segment of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bally here. Let's get the baseball talk here. The Cleveland Guardians right now, uh, as the time of this recording, they're down two to one to the Seattle Mariners. It's the bo- it's the top of the fourth inning. We're in a rain delay, by the way. It's been raining all day. It's ra- raining up in Cleveland. I would know. I was there today, and uh, yeah, it, it's. It's not going good for Cleveland right now. They've lost four in a row, seven out of their last nine games uh, at the time of this recording once again. They've scored one run in their last four games, and Baltimore and Seattle have kind of made them look uh, look a little little more like the team we might have expected earlier on in the season. Now, the Guardians are still 68-63 and 63 as of now, a game ahead of Minnesota for the AL Central uh, first-place spot. But, Mitch, it's uh, what do they got to do to get – out of this funk because it's not it really isn't the pitching right now the pitching is only giving up two three four runs a game right now it's the fact that this team cannot put runs on the board and it's the fact that your pitching's doing well right now against perhaps one of if not the hottest team in the american league the seattle mariners right i mean they they are on a tear right now i believe they really started getting on that tear unfortunately when we went to seattle just last weekend but yep oh we'll this, get to that trip in a second because right. yeah this is a team that all season long, right? The home run has not been the way they win ball games, right? You have guys that are putting the ball out, but compared to other teams, right? I think I saw Julio Rodriguez hit that home run today in his second at bat. And I believe they said that was like the 150 or 163rd home run hit by the Mariners this year. And I'm sitting here thinking, I don't even know if the guardians have, you know, 80 home runs. Nope. And so, and you know, the Yankees hit home runs, but this is a team based on contact, getting base hits, playing small ball in terms of infield swing infield hits, may I say. Mitch, it's weird, and unfortunately, they're going into a slump at the wrong time, right? We see every team in Major League Baseball over the course of a 162-game season, they go into a slump, right? That's just it's how it is. The Dodgers have done it. The Yankees have, have done it since the All-Star break, but they were so good before the All-Star break, it hasn't cost them yet. We'll say that as I know they just got done with the series with Tampa, and they showed up, you know, I saw a picture of the standings. They were 15 and a half games up on Tampa, and to my knowledge, entering today, it was at least five now. And so... My thing is, I think the Guardians are still okay. I'm not going to be shocked, though, if this team now, you know, kind of folds and this is the team we see the rest of the season. But you could not ask for a better time to play a, an inferior opponent because let's be honest, 
your last four series, the Padres, the Mariners, the Orioles and Mariners are all playoff teams. Yep. Your next series starting on Labor Day, which is when our audience is going to be listening to this, is at Kansas City. And I know, you know, typically this isn't a team that plays well at Kansas City, but you're going into Kansas City and you're throwing your two top pitchers and Tristan McKenzie and Justin, and wow, Justin Bieber, huh? Shane Bieber. And uh, you're playing a team that you have to take care of. You have to beat Kansas City. And then you go to Minnesota, Mitch. And the reason I, that I think that we're still okay is because even if we lose today, Minnesota wins, we're still tied for first. Our saving grace has been the fact that every game we've lost right now, Chicago's been beating Minnesota and Chicago's behind Minnesota. So as we record this right now, I see the twins are up three to one in the top of the ninth on Chicago. So if this game resumes and we end up losing, we're going to be tied heading into Monday, September 5th, atop the American league central division with the twins. And you go at Kansas city at Minnesota. And then don't look now, Mitch, but September 16th is coming. And that's that stretch that we talked about. It's going to make or break the Guardians chances, as well as the Twins and White Sox chances in the pursuit for the American League Central crown. Yeah, technically it starts on the 15th because the White we have a one game makeup oh, with the White yep. Sox. No, it, it, it's fun. But the the Twin, yeah, the Twin series right after that and the Twins play the Yankees in the next uh, few games that while the Guardians are in Kansas City, that's going to be fun to keep track of since the Yankees have been struggling so much. Sands Aaron Judge, who went yard for the 53rd time today of the season, the, clo- the closest anyone's ever been to the AL uh, mark in a long, long time, which I hope he gets. I do too. Uh, just, it's really, it's really just frustrating to see this team maybe after fighting so hard throughout the year, exceeding all the expectations. I know they probably they're miles ahead of where they would have been had they just gone the regular route. I, I want to see this team win the Central. I want to see this team get in the playoffs. And then Twins and Minnesota, Twins and Chicago are still in it. Chicago. Uh, I was about to say, did Chicago get Larusa back today? Because there were some people saying that. Oh, uh, well, wouldn't it be pretty fitting if they did and they're losing after they've won on a kind of a big run while he's been out and they've won some ball games? Hmm. Just food for thought. We're, we're just going to leave that where it is. Uh, we're going to leave this episode where it is. So thank you guys for listening to uh, the Big Time Sports Podcast show uh, or watching it. Obviously, we're here on YouTube. And uh, we also have our video podcasts on on Anchor. That is not a sponsor. They are, are help us distribute the podcast to wherever you listen to it, on Spotify, Sound, uh, well, not SoundCloud. We do that ourselves. SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, obviously. And, uh, you know, we check out our website, BigTimeSportsOhio.com. Uh, obviously at Mitch Spinell on Twitter at Mitchell Ball on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. So is big time sports, Instagram, the works, um, that, that I think is all we have to plug. And I want to hear the fact of the day from our own Mitchell Bala. A snail can sleep for up to three years consecutively. I wish I could sometimes. Let's trust me. I'm right there with you. So, uh, I'm going to take this final shot. I'm going to see if I, I did this a few weeks ago. I'm going to try and see if I can do it from behind my back. See if I can angle it from the zoom camera right there. All right. Thanks for watching this episode of the big time sports podcast show.